Welcome to the Adventure Church Podcast. We're so glad you're here. Today, Pastor CJ finishes his Christmas series with a message called The Victory of the Birth. The story of Jesus is a story to celebrate his birth and also a story of his pain and death. It was Jesus' love towards us that brought him to earth. And because he came, we are able to receive the greatest gift of all, eternal life and victory over death. We hope you enjoy this message. Season, that you have a great time with family and friends, and that you have an opportunity just to enjoy this time, this season. After all, isn't Jesus the reason for the season? And as my wife said, it's fun to give. In Acts chapter 20, it talks about it's better to give than it is to receive. And so I thank God that uh, we're all givers today, and we're given of Christ, and we give an opportunity to give the gift of Christ to someone who's in need. Amen? Take out your sermon notes today. we got some more things we like to do in the service, so I want to get right into my sermon. So today, I want to talk to you about the victory of the birth, and if you are new, we've been doing a series called The Birth, and we talked about the pain of the birth, the vision of the birth, the story of the birth, and today we're going to talk about the victory of the birth. I don't know about you, but Christmas time is a great time, obviously. You get together with family and friends, and when we get together with family, we play a lot of games. How many of you play games when you get together with your families, right? Amen? You get together with your family, and then when you play a lot of games, Jeff, what happens is we do a lot of smack talking. How many do a lot of smack talking when you play games. You know what I'm talking about, right? Well, my wife, she was thought she was going to be a genius and teach me this new game before we play with all our kids, the game called Monopoly Deal. How many have heard that? Monopoly Deal, right? Well, my wife taught me the game, Monopoly Deal. Here she's down there talking already, smack. You see what I'm talking about? She's a really good teacher, amen. And so she wanted to get that in right away. But anyways, my wife wanted me to learn this Monopoly deal before we go to Christmas and play it with our kids. So she taught me this game, Monopoly deal. And I picked it up. And so the first game she taught me, I won. Praise the Lord. I thought, well, she said, that's just beginner's luck. I taught you. I'm a good teacher, so on and so forth, right? Well, we played another game. Guess what? I won. We played another game. Guess what? I won. We played four games, and I won all four of them. Praise the Hallelujah. Amen? And I thought it was great. I thought, hey, my wife said, I'm never teaching you again. And man, she's down there smack talking still. Then, 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 a couple of weeks ago, a couple of Saturdays ago, uh, we got invited to go over to some people's house. Don't go and go, Don't go there. Don't go there. And, and, and we got invited to go to some people's house a couple weeks ago on a Saturday. And I didn't know that we were going to get into a cribbage game with my wife and Jane and Harlan Jeffers. Amen? So it was me and Harlan against Jane and my wife, right? And I mean to tell you, Jane, I never knew that Jane was a smack talker. I mean, a lot, a lot of times you look at Jane and she's like, oh, yes, praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. You get her behind a cribbage board, she's like, dun, 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 mommy, sharky, sharky, shark, mommy, shark. I mean, she's going crazy, right? And I mean to tell you, so me and Harlan, we are just taking our way and just moseying along through the game. And you know, you know how it is. You got to go up and down the board twice. And, you know, starting out the first time, it was a joy because, you know, we both start on the same finished starting line. And so the game starts out good. And it's a joyful time. It's an exciting time. But then when we got into the game, I mean to tell you, Jane and my wife, they were, they were spanking us. I mean, they were pulling hands of 24, 16. And then the smack talk really started.
started, right? And Harlan and I say, well, the game isn't over till the ladies start singing, and you can put the other part with it, right? And so we just kind of waited and waited and waited, and they're winning. Now they're even got skunk in their eyes. We're going to skunk you guys. And we're like, yeah, yeah, the game's not over yet. She's not singing yet. And so we went through the game, and lo and behold, wouldn't you know, at the end of the game, guess who wins? We win by three pegs. And boy, we, you now she's talking. It was luck. And if it was luck, why did we win the next game? And then we won the next game. And after we won the next game, they said, we're done. I guess it's like baseball. Three strikes are out, right? They were out. And so you know how many know that when you start out of the game, everybody starts on the same starting line. And even with the story of Jesus, when Jesus was born, it was a joyful occasion. Can you imagine? It was a joyful occasion, given a son, especially the name that he was, and the name of Jesus, the Son of God, and having this immaculate conception, if you want to call it. And I mean to tell you, it was just an opportunity to worship God. But that moment only lasted for a season. It only lasted for a season. The moment he was born, he was also had a, had a bounty on his back. Herod was coming after him, so here you are in the beginning of the game, it starts out great. But in the middle of the game, it's dreadful. It's painful. It's serious. It's bounty on his back, a bullseye against him, wanting to kill his life or take his life. And then, of course, we know the end of the story. They crucified him, and yet today, he's alive. Yeah. But it's that middle of the road that sometimes is the hardest part of our life and our journey with God. How many can relate to what I'm talking about? Do you remember the day when you gave your life to Christ and you were celebrating and you were excited about your relationship with God, a newfound friend? But then you started down this road and it started to get tough. And maybe things are tough right now. Can you imagine Mary when Mary had the baby and all of a sudden once the baby was born, the road instantly became tough. If you have your notes, you can see in the story of Jesus, it's a story where we celebrate the birth. Amen? That's why we're here today. But it's also the road to pain and death. You see, it started out well, but then it got into the middle of the story. It led to pain, suffering, rejection, anger, anxiety, worry, fret, all the things that we as people face every day of our lives, anxiety, worry, and stress. Can you imagine Mary? But then the smile of a mother, Mary, the smile on a mother's face turns to a frown. Can you imagine that? Having that moment to celebrate and to smile, but also being told that you need to take your son into Egypt and hide turns into a frown. The joy of the birth becomes the pain of death. Jesus was brought into the world with life, but taken out of the world for our lives. How many know that's so true? He was brought into the world for life for you and I, and life more abundantly. The Bible says in Ephesians 3.20 that he comes to do exceedingly, abundantly, more than we can even ask, even fathom or imagine. In John 10, verse 10, it says the devil comes to kill, rob, and destroy, but Jesus comes to give us life in life more abundantly. Aren't you glad that today we have life in Christ? But Jesus' life gave us life. In the life that he lived, he died so that you and I today can 
can celebrate life today. And also that we can celebrate a resurrected Savior, the one that went from the cradle to the cross to heaven, who is now making intercession for you and I each and every day. That's something to celebrate. Somebody say amen. Amen. And in Matthew chapter 2, I love the story, the story of now how the wise men followed the star. And I love this story. And every time we get together with our family, with all my eight grandkids, we read the story. Last year, last year, my daughter read the story. This year, it's going to be one of my sons that will read the story. Before we go and open up any gifts or any presents or anything else, we are reminded of the story of why we are around the Christmas tree and why we are opening presents and why we are here together as a family. It's all about him. He's ultimately the reason for the season. He's truly the life and life more abundantly that we can celebrate on Christmas Day. Somebody say amen. But he says in Matthew, he said, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem and Judea, in the time of King Herod, the Magi's from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and had come to worship him. Amen. Now watch this. I love this. He said, go ahead and turn it. He said, when King Herod heard this, he was disturbed. And all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and the teachers of the law, he asked them, where is the Messiah was to be born? Where was he was to be born? His intentions, obviously, were not to worship and to celebrate him like we are today. His intentions were what? To take him out. How many know that jealousy will drive you to kill? Jealousy will drive you to do things that you shouldn't do? And here was a King Herod who was jealous of the Messiah that come to take away the sins of the world. He was the king as he, as he thought. He thought I was the king, but Jesus was the king of kings and the Lord of lords, the king above all kings, the name that every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess. He's the ultimate king. He was the only human king, the only natural natural king, but Jesus is the supernatural king that supersedes all natural things. He is the supernatural king. Somebody say amen, right? Then he goes on to say, I love this, in Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. He says, but you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. Out, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. He said, then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. You know what his intentions were, right? After they had heard the king, they went to their, their, on their way. And the star and the star they had seen when it was rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they had saw the star, they were overjoyed. And then he goes on to say, on coming to the house, they saw the child with the mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. Then they opened their tre treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having seen and warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Now watch this. I love this. This is the whole thing. When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take your child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. Can you imagine? 
the beginning of joy, starts out joyful, happy, exciting, but then in the middle of the story is pain, agony, and defeat. If you notice, there's three things that are so important that come out there that are so cool that I love about that story, that three things that really stand out to me. Number one, the star. Number two, the gifts. And number three that stand out to me is love. Faith, hope, and love. But what? The greatest of these is love. Can you imagine? It all ties and ends around love. But if you have your notes, the star. If you notice the star, it was uniquely of all the stars. There's over thousands of stars in the sky. And all you can see the Big Dipper. You can see the Small Dipper. You can see all these different things. But one unique star stood out above the rest. It was the brightest of the stars. Four times in those 13 passages of scriptures, it mentions the star, referring to that Jesus was the ultimate star. Well, now, now that I'm a basketball coach and I've been traveling, and obviously we're, we're not as good as Grantsburg. They smoked us all. High five, you won, amen. I told him I was going to block his shot, but oh well, amen. But I bet you you're not on a Wheaties box like I just got yesterday. Somebody say amen. <laughs> amen. Praise the Lord. That was the greatest gift. But anyways, now that I'm a basketball coach, I, I can really detect the, the players once I walk into a gym and see them. I can say, hey, number two is the star, number 21, whatever. I can recognize stars or athletes by the way they shoot, how they dribble, if they can shoot on the run or on the move, or are they just a spot-up shooter. You can recognize each player by what they do in warm-ups. And, and really, you can, you know, a lot of players, they, they'll, they'll set themselves, and that's why you don't play a zone because these are set-up shooters. They, they're just spot-up shooters. But now we can't play man-to-man because these guys can shoot off the dribble. They can shoot off a pick. They can shoot on the move. And so you got to determine what type of players you're playing and also who's the best players on each team and then strategize of how to play the defense towards that player. So I can recognize the stars. You know what? Some time ago, Cheryl and I had the opportunity to go to California. And we went to the Walk of Hollywood, a Hollywood Walk Star of Fame. How many of you have ever been there before? We've been there. And it consists of over 2,500 different stars of movie stars, entertainers, famous people that over 2,500 stars. It consists of on two different places. One is 15 blocks long, and another place is three blocks long. So all together, it's 18 blocks long of over 2,500 different stars. And the reason why these stars are on the sidewalk is to recognize them for their achievements or for their accomplishments. And I walked up this, on those stars, and you know what was crazy about that? Walking on those stars, you can see that on the stars that were on there, there was gum on the stars. People were walking, their dirty footprints were walking on the stars. But I thought about this when you think about stars. One of the stars that you see is Marilyn Monroe. What was Marilyn Monroe recognized for? Number one, she was recognized for all the famous men that she was one time or another married to, right? How many can say amen? Joe DiMaggio and the rest. But also, Marilyn Monroe really is the one that really introduced modeling. Marilyn Monroe was recognized for her modeling. She was the beauty of America that people recognized, and she was the uh, ultimate model, the ultimate figure that recognized America. Then you have another one. You have Michael Jackson. Michael Jackson, as we recognize him today, is called the king of pop. 
the king of soul, that he had the dance moves, and man, he could really just light up a crowd, and man, if you've seen the one that he did in Russia, man, he just stood there for five minutes, just stiff like a statue, and people worshiped him and praised him and screamed to the top of their lungs. They thought he was the ultimate star. Then you have another star. You have Elvis Presley. Elvis Presley was known for his leg, and he, he did the stanky leg before my grandkid did the stanky leg. Amen? My grandkid, Cannon, do the stanky leg, Cannon. And Elvis Presley did the stanky leg. He was not only known for his music, but he was also known for what? His singing. Cheryl and I, this last year, we had an opportunity to go to Memphis. We walked through his mansion. We, we seen the stores. We seen all his, uh, his, his uh, artifacts and all the different things about Elvis Presley. And it was astonishing. It was amazing. We went through that museum for over four hours, and we could have went four more hours. And all the achievements and all the accomplishments that Elvis Presley has done. And we worship and we get excited and we cheer. And we, man, we pay all kinds of money to go see him or Michael Jackson or Marilyn Monroe in their time. And we do these things. But then there's other stars. There's athletes in sports. We recognize their achievements and their accomplishments. They get praised and honored. And even at some point, they get worshiped. Maybe this one. We worship. You know what they say? Aaron Rodgers throw the bomb, then they wave to his mom. Ooh, ah, ooh, ah. Aaron Jones round the end, 20 yards, he'll do it again. Ooh, ah, ooh, ah. Zaren Smith covering a sweep. Look at all those Vikings weep. Ooh, ah, ooh, ah. Right? But, but we worship Man, and we wear jerseys that has his name on the back of us, Rogers. And we worship him and we praise him and we give him all kinds of accolades and we celebrate and we even want to jump through the TV when they throw the bomb to his mom. But then there's another one we worship. Man, that's a sight for sore eyes when you're stoned, amen? But there's another one. We worship cousins because what? Man, he can throw to nothing, right? He can throw to all the, the receivers. He can throw the Stefan Diggs and whatever else. And, and we worship him, and we got a big game, to, what, tomorrow? Monday night football, right? And we get all excited, and we buy jerseys, and we buy the different players' names. But when it comes to the ultimate star... Why do we retreat and pull back from celebrating who's the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and the great I am, the greatest gift that man can receive, the eternal life, the hope of glory, that Jesus comes to life to you and I today so that we can share the gift of Jesus to other people. I, I, I look today and I think to myself, about these different stars, and you have this on your notes, and I thought about this when I was writing the sermons. When you look at these stars and athletes, ask yourself these questions. Number one, ask yourself, do they know you by name? Do they know you by name? These people don't know you by name. They have no idea who you are. Jesus knows you by name. Not only just does he know you by name, he knows every hair on your head. Let me ask you another question. Do you know them personally? 
Man, my, my, my sister-in-law, man, whenever she watches the Vikings, you never talk about her. Uh, man, she gets so crazy, man, when her husband, and he's a Bear fan, and she was a Viking fan, and when the Bears beat the Vikings a couple years ago, she was so mad at him, she made him sleep on the couch. I said to her, I said, Kathy, you don't even know these people, but they're my team. But they don't care about you, but they're my team. And we do everything, but we don't even know them personally. Here's another question. Do they really care about you? The only thing they care about you is that you put your behind in the seat so they can get their money. Somebody say amen. amen. They don't care about you. Matter of fact, they don't even know who you are. Another one is this. Would they give to you when you are in need? Would they give to you when you are in need? They got millions and millions, and they say that the average American makes over $26,000 a year. That's the average American salary. $26,000 a year is the average American salary, but yet they're making millions and millions. You would think that, hey, they can just throw you a $100 bill sometime. But Jesus is the giver that keeps on giving. Let me ask you another one, a big one. Would those athletes or stars, would they die for you? Would they die for you? Came as a baby, innocent, pure, without sin, yet took the journey to the cross. You know why? For you. For you. You see, I love what he says in Philippians chapter 2. Verses 5 and 8. I love this verse of the scripture because it's so cool. I, I, go ahead, turn that there. You got it? He says, to humble yourself before the man. I don't know if you have it or not, but Jesus says in Philippians that he humbled himself as a man and made himself nothing, made himself nothing, and made himself into the very image of you and I so that he can show us the way and lead us by example of how to make it here on planet Earth as a human. Jesus, even though he was the King of kings and Lord of lords, he humbled himself, as he said, rather he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. You know what a servant does? Jesus says in Mark 10, verse 45, I didn't come into the world to be served, but to serve and give my life as a ransom for many. What Jesus did, he came to serve. He came to lead the way. He came to show us an example that we should follow in his footsteps. That's why he says in 1 John 2, 6, he who claims he lives in him must walk as Jesus did. How did Jesus walk? He walked as a servant. And who was he serving? He was serving you and I to a point of giving his life for you and I. Somebody say amen. He raised himself, taking on the very nature of a servant, being found in, in human likeness. And being found in the appearance of a man, he humbled himself by the obedient, obey, becoming obedient to death and even death on the cross. Think about this. Jesus humbled himself. Humble makes, makes himself at a lower position. At a lower position. Jesus says to us, if you will humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, he will lift you up. God, I humble myself before you. You are the Lord and Savior of my life. You are the ultimate star who I should have on the back of my jersey at all times. Jesus, the King of kings. Jesus, the life giver. Jesus, the son of God. Jesus, the one that was born in the manger that went to a cross and now is seated at the right-hand side of the Father making intercession for you. That's the kind of star I want to follow. 
Somebody say amen. You see, listen, if there's any kind of star this Christmas who we should follow, it's Jesus, the real star. I love this. The second part from those verses that really stand out from Matthew is the gift. Look at what it says in Matthew 2.11 is the gift. It says this, on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and they worshiped him. But look at what they did. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. So in other words, what they did, they gave him his best. They gave, them, gave Jesus their best and nothing less. I wonder about us sometimes. You see, Jesus doesn't want materialistic things. Jesus doesn't need materialistic things. The Bible says all the silver and the gold is his. He owns a thousand cattle on a thousand hills. Jesus lacks nothing. But sometimes what Jesus really lacks is you. You see, Jesus has everything that mankind could possibly think of. But sometimes what he lacks is maybe us giving our hearts to him. You see, Jesus doesn't care about any external things. Jesus looks at the heart. Man looks at the outward appearance. But God looks at the heart. And what God looks at is your heart full of me today. Is your DNA with me flowing in it? Jesus says the greatest gift that you can give is not what's under the tree, but it's between your chest, your heart. God says all he wants is you. Nothing else will do. Not just a part of your heart, but all of your heart. Nothing else will do. And Jesus desires our heart. And see, he says this, notice the presence of Jesus uh, with gifts, but in the end, they will receive the greatest gift. I love what it says in Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7. Look at what he says. This is so cool. He says, but when the set time had fully come, when Jesus was born, the star was shown. Watch this. God sent his son born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law. How I many of you know that we're not under law anymore, but we're under the grace? We're under the grace of Jesus. It's not by law that you've been saved, but it's by grace that you have been saved. Aren't you glad that you received the love and the grace and the mercy of Jesus Christ, that he didn't write you off, but he accepted you even when we were sinners? He said, to redeem those under the law that we might receive... Understand this, receive. In other words, it's an opportunity that God is giving. He's giving out again. God is the greatest gift giver, receiving adoption into sonship. And then he goes on to say, because you are his sons, God sent the Holy Spirit or the spirit of his son into our hearts. Again, into your hearts. Jesus is a gentleman. He'll never force himself into you. He's not a locksmith where he'll pick into your heart. He only comes in by invitation. And you give him the invitation, guess what? He'll gladly come. Then he says this, the spirit calls, uh, uh, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. Aren't you glad today that you are heirs with Jesus? Some time ago, Cheryl and I got to go over here to the courthouse in Siren, and it was an adoption that we got to go to. 
And we've been to many, many adoptions, and I had to do a ceremony over adoption and so on. But this particular adoption, we just gotten here. We are probably here maybe three months. And we got to go to Quinn and Lisa. We got to go to their adoption. And it was, it was so cool when we went to support them, and the courtroom was full of a bunch of you. And the cool thing about it was is that the moment Judge Melissa said that they are now Lisa and Quinn's children. I mean to tell you, there was such a joy and jubilee in the room. You know why? Because now they are theirs. You see, the Bible says, you got to get this. Jesus gives us the greatest gift. But when you receive the gift, it's not just for you. It's also the angels in heaven are rejoicing along with you. Why? Because another one is coming to the kingdom. And the angels in heaven rejoice at knowing that you surrendered and gave your heart. The greatest gift that you can give to mankind or to Jesus is your heart. And the angels in heaven rejoice. I love this. We receive the gift of sonship as his sons and daughters. Jesus is the gift that keeps on giving. He's the gift that keeps on giving. There is no expiration date with him. How many know that's true? Amen. The Bible says, you know why I said there's no expiration date with Jesus? Because the Bible says he gets sweeter and sweeter as the days go by. That your relationship gets stronger, gets better, gets man fulfilled as the days go by. It doesn't become some mundane thing. It gets sweeter and sweeter as the days go by. In Romans chapter 6, watch this gift that God gives to us. In Romans 6, verse 23, he says, For the wages of sin is death, death eternal, separation from God, where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. The, for those that don't know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior is eternal darkness. But look at what God gives to those, the gift. But the gift, everybody say gift. The gift that God gives to us. And God doesn't give it to us and then take it away. He gives it to us that we can live in his fullness. That we can live in his grace. That we can live in his love. That we can live in the mercy of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He said, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15, where, O death, is thy victory? Where, O death, is thy sting? Death has been swallowed up. Why? Because Jesus Christ, the living King of kings and Lord of lords, has given us the gift of eternal life because we have surrendered our heart to him. And now death has no sting over you and I because if we die here today, we will go and be with him forever and ever and ever. And there is no amen with Jesus. Somebody say amen. That's what it's all about. I love this. This verse gives us the greatest gift of all, the hope of joy of receiving eternal life. But here's where it ends. I love this. The third point of all those things that we talked about in Matthew 2 is love. You know, the central theme of the word of God is in John. I remember even when I did go to church periodically at Easter and Christmas, and I'd be at catechisms or I'd even be at uh, different classes when I was growing up as a little kid. We'd very seldom go to church. I didn't even know who Jesus was. But I do remember this going into little classes when I was young. I remember this verse. The central theme of the Word of God was John 3.16. 
How many of you could quote that by verse? Amen? Why? Because that's a central theme of what it's all about. For God so loved the world that you and I. He loves us. He loves us. He loves you with no strings attached. He loves you regardless of where you've gone and what you've done and where you've been. He loves you. So God so loved the world that once again, God is in the business of giving. He gave. Look at what God does. He's the gift that keeps on giving. His, his love, God gave his love and nothing less. Uh, go back to that verse. I'm sorry. Uh, go back to John. For God so loved the world, he gave his one, one, and only son. Understand something. There was only one of a kind. There is no replica of Jesus. No one can imitate Jesus. He was the only copy. He's the treasured copy. He says, his one and only son, that whosoever believes, that's you and me, you know, I thought it's kind of fascinating how many watched the Macy Parade on TV over Thanksgiving. We do every year. And you know what their big slogan is? Belief. You know what they want you to believe in? They want you to believe in all the lights, glitz, and glamour, the bulls, and all the other things. They want you to believe in that. They want you to fall into that trap. You know why? Because they want you to spend. All Jesus says, you just believe. And Jesus will do the rest. Jesus says, you believe in him shall not perish. But there he is. Have eternal life. Have eternal life. I love these. If you have your notes, God gave his best and nothing less. Jesus gave us his love and nothing less. He wants us to give our hearts and nothing less. You know this? It's all about giving. Him given his son Jesus on this Christmas day. In us return, giving our hearts to him. It was love that drove Jesus from the cradle to the cross. It was love that he would humble himself as a man so that he could understand and feel our pain. That's why he says, is he not the God that let us come boldly to the throne of grace to receive mercy and help in our time of need because we have an advocate who is able to sympathize in our weaknesses when we are weak and when we are struggling? Hebrews 4, 14, 15, and 16. He's one that said, I understand where you're at. I understand the pain and the suffering and the rejection and things that you go through in life because I myself faced it. He says this, I love this. It was loving that Jesus suffered the pain, ridicule, and rejection. It was love for us over 2,000 years ago, and it's love today that will sustain us. You see, Jesus was not wrapped in all kinds of pretty wrapping paper. Because of that, we've sometimes, because of that, because he wasn't wrapped up in all kinds of pretty wrapping paper, because of that, we sometimes forget that he's the greatest gift. You see, listen, Jesus was the brightest star. Andrew, come on, where you at? Jesus was the brightest star. The brightest star, Jesus was the greatest gift. And Jesus 
was the ultimate lover of all mankind. Today, as Pastor Andrew comes, I want you just to bow your head for a moment, and we're going to end here in a moment with something different. I'm not going to have you to come forward or anything to that nature, but I want to give you the opportunity to give the greatest gift to Jesus today, which is your heart. And no one's looking around. I don't want you to leave the same way you came. I want you to leave changed. I've always said that change isn't changed until it's changed. And how you do it is you have to take what my wife said, start putting the feet under your faith and say, God, I'm not just going to be a talker, but I'm going to do a walker and I'm going to surrender my heart to you. Can you do me a favor just one more time? Just turn the lights up a little bit as your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed. You say, Pastor, today I want to give my heart to the Lord. I want to surrender my life to Jesus. I want to give him the greatest gift. And that gift ain't going to cost me money and material things that I have to do. It's just by me being obedient, saying, God, I give it to you. I'm going to count to three. Is there anyone here today? Say, Pastor, will you pray for me? I see a hand already. I see another hand. 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 Another hand. Another hand over here to my left, right in the middle. Two hands in the middle. Anyone else? Say, Pastor, pray for me. Yes, I see another hand right here to my right. Anyone else? I'm going to count to three. Don't miss this call. Another hand just went up. So far, 12 hands. One. Anyone else? Two. Another one. 13. Anyone else? Say, Pastor, two. Anyone else? Say, Pastor, pray for me. I want to, yes, another hand. 14. Say, Pastor, I want to give my heart. Two more hands just went up. 15, 16. Look at that. Anyone else? Say, Pastor. Another one. Look at that. 17. That two of them, 18, husband and wife. Look at that. Check it out. 18, 19. Anyone else? Say, Pastor, I want to give my heart to God today. Three. You may put them down. Father, today, I thank you, Lord Jesus, for those 19 hands that are raised today. Husband and wife. Lord, how exciting that they're surrendering, they're submitting, they're committing their hearts into your hands. Today, Father, they transfer their trust from themselves and they transfer their trust to you. And I pray in the name of Jesus that right now, Father, that you, God, will come into their life, transform, change, and rearrange, Lord. You say you take the heart of stone and give them a heart of flesh. And, Lord, I pray that today that you will transform them and change them, that they will have a supernatural experience with the King of kings and the Lord of lords and the greatest star, the star that's above all stars, which is you. Bless these 19, Lord, I pray. We thank you, and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message from Adventure Church. Would you consider a financial gift to help support this ministry? Giving is simple and safe. Just go to our website, www.adventurechurchsiren.com, and click on the Give tab. Thank you for your generous gift.